What's up, everybody? This is Ian Beckles, and I'm on the youngest in the yacht club. You gotta check it out. Ah! Ain't no gang. They want the money and fame. We go to the city and we don't be tucking our chain. Woke up in paradise and we live in the drain. I know it won't be the same. Some of the cocaine. Fly Latino gang. I used to dream of something like this. Youngest in the Yacht Club, I am Vince Serrano. Super excited, super hyped. Uh, I got a real, real, real good guest of mine right now. His name is Ian Beckles. What's up, Ian? What's good, bro? I'm good, bro. I'm good, man. Yo, man, thanks for coming on the show, bro. My pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. We always start off Youngest in the Yacht Club with a question. Who is Ian Beckles? Oh, shit. <laughs> Who is Ian Beckles? Yeah. Uh... Ian Beckles is an old crusty cat that's been through some stuff. Uh, played old cu- crusty though. Yeah, I'm, I'm old crusty man. <laughs> I'm 56 years old, so I'm old and crusty compared to you, my brother. Yeah, um, but it's okay. You're not crusty. Uh, but it's all good, man. <laughs> I'm saying crusty in a good way. Uh, crusty just means wise, you know. Uh, been through some stuff. You know, played nine years in the NFL, but that's not what I what I do. You mm-hmm. know. There's a lot of other things that I do and did, um, you know. And when and when I'm gone and on my on my gravestone, I I'm, maybe we won't even say NFL on it. Maybe we we'll say some other things that I accomplished. So absolutely, football is just something that I did. But uh, it's a big part of me, and I get that. But I like to uh, expand my horizons to a lot, lot more than that. Obviously, yeah, absolutely, bro. And yo, it's good that you said that because especially when you start seeing that, I bet you get a lot of calls because of your NFL career, right? Yeah, I mean, I think because of my NFL career, uh, it opens a lot of doors for me, mm. and I think I, I use that to my advantage. Mm. Um, but once you get in the door, then you have to, then you got to sell. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> salesman. As far as you know, being in the Tampa area, um, I would put myself up against anybody as far as exposure to media. You know, I've been in the radio for twenty something years. Uh, before I got in radio, I owned a magazine for a couple of years. I've done television work, uh, social media. Uh, I own a marketing company. I have a kava bar. I'm invo- involved in the cannabis world. Um, there's a lot of things I'm, you know, putting my hands on. So, you know, I'm just trying to, to do a little of everything and bring everybody together and try to connect all the dots. Yeah, you are the big connector, dog. I tried, bro. I tried. I tried. <laughs> big fat. Yeah. We know a couple of people. You know, it's funny that you said that. It's like, um, you know, a, a lot of business owners that I said, they said it, they don't necessarily like it, but because they've owned a business, mm-hmm. it people talk to you different. Because sure. because you're in the NFL, people mm-hmm. are going to talk to you different. Sure. Um, and, and so it's funny that you say that, man, and, and you got a, your hands on everything. You mentioned, um, the Kava Cannabis, mm-hmm. uh, Dignitary Cafe is your yep. cafe, which mm-hmm. is awesome here Thank in Tampa. You. Um, been there quite a few times. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what, what made you want to get into that field? Like, it's funny that I've been in that building for maybe seven years. It might be eight. It's, it's been a long time. Mm. Uh, I mean, I lived in that building for a while while I was going through a divorce. So wow. I, I definitely have uh, uh, that building's going to have an era in my life. You yeah. know, so I started off by uh, just being an office space on one third of the building. Mm. And we had a print shop on the other two thirds of it. Then the print shop was going under, and the landlord said, either you take over the whole building or you got to go. So on a whim, I said, well, I live here anyway, so let me just consider it as my house. Right. So I literally lived there for three years, and it wasn't really anything. It was was really a workspace where people could come hang out. It was a cafe for a little bit, but nobody was really coming. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, I just said, I'm going to stop drinking. Okay, so I, I was a drinker, no doubt. Yeah. I stopped drinking, and right as I stopped drinking, I was ex- uh, exposed to kava mm. and kratom. And, you know, as a former athlete, I have my bumps and bruises, my aches and pains, and everybody kind of needs a vice, you know. Yeah. Alcohol was my vice, and alcohol is not a great vice, okay. Mm. It, it gets you in trouble. So right after that, I found kava and kratom. And then as I got, fell in love with kava and kratom, as, you know, my way out, so to speak, um, I realized there was no Calvin Kratom bars in all of South Tampa. Wow. And I asked the question, why is that? Nobody can answer the question. So I'll say, I'll be damned if I don't open the first <laughs> Calvin Kratom bar in South Tampa. And I did it. And that was about uh, a little over two years ago. And uh, two years later, uh, I could say it's a success. Uh, the doors are still open. Uh, there's probably people packed in there right now. So uh, <laughs> life is good. Life's that's, good. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You you mentioned right now, you know, you said you had some uh, vices and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. alcohol and things like that. 
Um, and but you needed like your bump. You had your bumps and bruises and stuff like that. Um, like how did how did like how where did you come from? Like where did you come from? How did you grow up? Okay, like, uh, I'm from Montreal, Canada originally. Uh, my parents are from the West Indies, Guyana and Trinidad. Mm. So they didn't have anything growing up. Uh, I didn't grow up poor, but I didn't grow up with. Uh, anything that I had, I earned. You know, I wasn't the kind of kid that had allowances and all this crap. I had to work, right? You know, and, and to do whatever I did. If I wanted a bike, I had to work to get a bike. Mm. Uh, my kids were definitely brought up a little bit different, and yeah. they, were, they were definitely a little bit more blessed. But you know, being from Montreal, you know, being a six foot one offensive lineman, you know, uh, it wasn't laid out for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of other people, you're six seven, you're from California, you're like this high profile guy, and I'm like, that's cool. But I had to fight for everything that I that I have mm. through throughout my whole career, even today. It, it it just seems like I've always been uh, underestimated, but mm. then when, at the end of you, like damn, he was he was pretty good. Like yeah. at the to- at the time, you know, and and I didn't feel at the time like while I was playing for the Buck, I played here for seven years, so I started for seven years for the Buccaneers. Didn't even realize anybody was really watching or paying attention. Okay, because while you're doing it, it's your job, and that's what you do. And after the fact, you know, you're told by some people, 35, 30, 40 years old, that I grew up watching you and you were my favorite player. And, you know, I remember this and I remember when you met me in 1990. So you realize you touched a lot of lives when you didn't even know you were touching lives. So I'm I'm still trying to touch lives every day and uh, try to instill my knowledge on some young people who uh, who want to listen. Yeah, no, nah, man, that's that's a deep story, dude. I think that's huge. You talked about you were underestimated, man. Always. Like, Went six one offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean when you're coming out of college or high school or any of that? What it means is is you're gonna be looked looked over. Like I literally had scouts come out of the room after watching my film, and they go, "How tall are you, son?" And I go six three, and they laugh. They go, "How tall are you, son?" <laughs> I go six two, <laughs> and, they, and they look closer. And they go, "You're six one, son." I go, "What difference does it make?" And they go, "Well." I had a scout tell me, if you were 6'5", you'd be a first-round draft pick. And I go, but I'm 6'1", what's the difference? He goes, four rounds. That's what he told me. Wow. And I was like, wow. Like, he told me, <laughs> like, if, if you, you use the same film, if I was four inches taller, I'd be drafted four rounds earlier. So, fast forward to when you get to the NFL, all the guys that got drafted before me who were 6'5 and 6'6", who got drafted because of that, didn't succeed, okay? So to me, I felt like saying, I don't give a rat's ass how tall that cat is. He's not better than me. And that's been my mentality my whole life. And I think you, when you're given things, when you're a first-round draft pick, you get, you're get you given something. You you earned it in college, okay, God bless, but what you did in college really doesn't matter right? because half the first-rounders fail anyways. Big fact. But when you're given something, you didn't earn it. I had to earn everything. Like, mm-hmm. I came in as a fifth-round pick. My first practice, I was second string. Right. My second practice was the same day I was first string. Damn. So, like, I overthrew the last year's starter in the first practice. So I wasn't coming and playing, though. You were know you, what I mean? Were you drafting, drafted by the Bucks? I was drafted by the Bucks, but in the fifth round. Right, right. Like, so you don't really draft fifth rounders to start. Not right, really. Right, right. If he starts, God bless. Yeah. So my first practice, I was second string. Second practice, I was first string. And I stayed there. So, but along the way, they're always bringing in people to beat me out. Not because I didn't play well, just because I wasn't that prototypical guy. That's the nature of the business, correct, right? Correct. You're never happy with what you got. It's, it seems it seems that way. It's, it still <laughs> it still seems that way, but it's, I'm used to it by now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I I think maybe because that kind of conditioned you. Maybe your your, mm. your life from before probably conditioned you to be like, yo, I don't care. Who's in front of me? Who's behind me? I'm oh, that's do- that's that's fine. I don't, I don't care what I'm doing, what I'm participating in. I think I'm gonna win. And if something happens, and you know, I, I listen. I've been in radio for twenty something years. Uh, my bosses were like, "Hey, man, let's meet on Friday." I'm like, "Cool. What's going on? Out with some new stuff. Cool. Go in there. Zero chance. I would have said there was zero chance I'm gonna get fired. Zero. Mm-hmm. I like a fire. Wow. I mean, to me, everybody's like, they can't fire you. You're the best thing on the station. I'm like, well, that's what I thought. But, you know, when you think you're expendable, then you, you, you're you gone. That's, yeah. But, you know, while it happened, I was upset for probably four minutes or so. And as I was driving home, I'm like, fuck 
them. I go, it's, this is not a, it's not about performance. Right. Because, you know, they asked me to come and they asked me to bring the ratings back up. I did that. The ratings stayed up. Mm -hmm. So you fired me because you guys couldn't sell and you guys couldn't pay my salary. Right. That's all. That's what happened. So I just said, screw it. I would move on and lose my energy. And the energy I put into the radio, I put it into my shop and it showed. And then later on, if somebody asked me to do radio right now full time, I'd have to think about it. Yeah. Because like, I'm tired of working for the man. Though. Yeah, yeah. I'm legit, tired. Legit. I'm tired. You want to work for yourself. You're, Hell you're yeah. Entrepreneur. Straight. Straight through and through. Up. <laughs> through, and through. I, I think... I think I'm an entrepreneur to a fault. Mm. Like, I, I I can't stop thinking about creating businesses. That's fire. All day. Like, all like somebody will say something, and I'm thinking, why don't I start that business? Mm. Like, somebody will say, this there's not enough sticks. Why don't I start selling sticks? Like, it just, <laughs> I don't know why. It's, it's You're a just, hustler. I can't help it. And if I can, if I can sell this water, yeah. I'm going to sell the water. Why, That's it. Why do you think that happened? What What is that? Is this is it the way you got up? It was a business school in college. Was it Was it being around people? What was it? I just think I hustled, man. Like <laughs> Like I said, I I grew up with nothing. Yeah. And like I had paper routes growing up, and like paper route in Florida is sexy. I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know if there is paper routes anymore. anymore. They probably don't. But right. What well, picture? A paper route's not sexy in Montreal, Canada, in December. In cold. In four o'clock in the morning. All right, so you you think you know cold, but I have to get up in the morning and do that and through blizzards, walking snow, uh, through snow and all that crap. So nothing was given to me, wow. but I had to figure out ways to make money. And I guess you just kind of develop that personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, people say you're a good salesman, and I always tell them it's because I'm not selling anything. If you try to sell something, it doesn't work. Right. What I do is I put my name on things that I believe in, mm. and that makes it so much easier. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Fleming's, okay? Fleming's is a restaurant. I've been going there forever. Right. My boy Jorge Diaz, who I play ball with, who's a manager there, I, I'm going there tonight before the hockey game. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? So, But, yeah. but Fleming's, I, I, kept, I put my name on it. Like, I know I'm not selling to you when I say Fleming's is amazing. I just, I'm there. I experience it, and every time I go, it's fantastic. So that's not selling something. Right. When people are selling something, you know you know they're selling something. Yeah, you know if they believe in it or not, Correct. if they're rocking with it or not, if they actually have it, if they're using that's it. That's facts, yeah. And, and you you believe in the stuff, and so it's easy. It's easy when you believe in it, right? It's not selling. Right. You you Okay, so you got into radio as well, and I want to kind of touch on that a little bit, but when you got into college, right before you got drafted, yeah. where did you go to college, like, uh, I went to junior, being from Montreal, Canada, I, I wasn't highly recruited. Once again, yeah. Purdue came, Big Ten school, and they looked at my film and said, you're good, but you're too small to play in the Big Ten. Okay. So then I went to junior college for two years in Forest City, Iowa, tiny town in Iowa. Yeah. I think there's 7,500 people in the town. Legit. I went to college yeah. in Iowa in Pella. Did you? Pella, Iowa. So the, yeah, I really. know, yeah, I know the, yo, 4,000 people in the But I ain't telling town. you nothing, man. <laughs> yeah. I ain't telling you nothing. You know what I'm talking, hey. Oh, it's crazy. Dude, yeah, I went to Waldorf Junior College. Waldorf, yeah, yeah that's cool. a good, that's a pretty good big uh, JUCO. Like, now it is. Right, right. N now I hear it's a four-year school, oh, and wow. they have underground tunnels and stuff. <laughs> Not when I was there, brother. No, I mean, it was old school. Yeah. There was there was 400 people in the school. Yeah. Uh, There was two black girls in the school. One was from... Uh, deep Africa. The other one's from like Papua New Guinea. Uh, <laughs> it just—it was a culture shock to go from Montreal, Canada, to Forest City, Iowa. Tell me about. Like it. I went from you know a, a melting pot city to to the whitest place on earth. Yeah, steak I and mean, potatoes. Like, I mean, it's and that's not a knock. It's just white. It is. It's it freaking is. white. It is what it is. Like there's not even Spanish people. Nah, Mexicans. None. If they Me if there were <laughs> not in Four City. No, not, four city, not, nah. not then. We were right. I was 45 minutes from Des Moines, so I get what you're saying. Like you're you're that's even deeper. Yeah, yeah. Like, nah, man. There's no colors in there, dog. It's almost see through. Yeah, yeah, man. We played we played Waldorf when they were JUCO, so I uh, I get it. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's 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 cool though. You said it was a culture shock, right? Yeah, it was culture shock. How do you, how do you, so you went there, you played Juco, mm. you, you have to adjust. Correct. What is driving you, bro? Because I, I came from Florida. I hadn't yeah. seen snow in 10 years. Yeah. That Iowa snow, I know you were used yeah, to it. Yeah, that's not a problem. Right. But, yeah. but the people though, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you keep your head focused? Obviously, uh -huh. like, what are you, what are you pursuing at that time? Uh, I just know that that was the path. Mm. Okay. So. 
Like, I had a roommate, Sean Stewart, who I grew up with. We went to Iowa together from Montreal. We were best friends, and we decided to go together. Wow. So, you know, one time Sean says, I'm I'm going home. And I was like, and then what? He goes, I just, I can't do this. And I go, well, I'm not going home and tell my mother I quit. I'm not doing that. Mm. And if I go home, I quit. And then what? I go, I'm going to be an NFL player, and if I go home, I'm not. So I'm not going anywhere. Wow. So Sean ended up staying. Because I would have kicked his ass if he left. <laughs> and uh, I'm saying that as a joke. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. if I could kick Sean's ass. Sean's a bad son of a bitch. So, uh, but he stayed. We we grinded through. It's just that when I put my mind to something, I just, it's there's no options. You know what I mean? I'm still that way. Right. I'm still that, like some people, I tend to do things and people will say, well, I can't do that. Like, I just stopped drinking. I was a drinker. I just, I'm, I'm done. What do you mean you just stopped? I just stopped. That's it. I've been able to do things that were hard. The other, uh, not about four months ago, I read something on fasting and I fasted for 15 days. Okay? People are like, that's impossible. I go, well, how is it impossible if I just did it? <laughs> so like, I, I've always tested my limits mm. and that's in everything, okay? I I was a guy and I could just talk or, but I live in the same town where I participated. You know what I mean? Yeah, legit. I was always the first one in the locker room. I was always the first one in the weight room. Mm. I ain't gonna let nobody outwork me. I mean, nobody. You know, as I was going through, I didn't think I knew, I didn't know I was leaving legacies places. Like, I, I had, uh, Tom, I think Tom Allen is the Indiana football coach. Yeah. And uh, I like his attitude. Uh, uh, he, his thing is Leo, love each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's a family thing. I had him on the air one day, and uh, he, he, he'd he heard of me. And I go, hey, coach, I went to Indiana a long time. He was I know of you, Ian. So I said, blah, blah, blah. At the end of it, I said, hey, coach, did anybody ever beat my bench press record? He says, nope, it's still here. So <laughs> nobody's beaten my bench press record from 1989. That's fire. How so much was it? 475. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. A quarter ton. Yeah. That, and, and let me let everybody know that's, that is clean. Okay, that is no no clean. I'm talking about no drugs. You oh, hear me? Wow. Because there was I had roommates at that time taking steroids. They all got popped. Mm. I had never taken a steroid in my life. I take testosterone now because I'm old. Yeah, yeah. But back then I took nothing except for protein and steak. You wow. know what I'm saying? So uh, I did it clean. I did it the right way. Um, ended up benching 500 pounds when I was in the league. After that, that's crazy. So you know it's. It, it, it's not possible to bench 500 pounds unless you're kicking some ass. Yeah, you're, I mean, unless you, you really, unless you, some... you, you know, you guys, <laughs> that's, that's work right there, man. That's that's a process. That's fire, dude. So so you ended up going to Indiana? Yeah. How, like, okay, so you went from Waldorf yeah. to Indiana. Yeah. How does that? Uh, it's as much of a culture shock. Uh, when I got to Indiana, there was two all Big Ten guards there already. Mm. So they didn't really bring me there to, to, to beat them out. So they didn't give me a chance to beat them out. So my junior year, I sat on the bench. Mm. I played like one or two games, and, and I used my used up my eligibility. So I had one year of eligibility left. So wow. I would just, I, nobody knew of me my senior year. Nobody. Wow. Never ever heard of me. Who are you? You right. know? And you and you had sat behind these guys these for guys, a year. But they were all Big Ten. For right. sure. Yes. Yeah. All, they are They are the, 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 the line. No doubt. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, the center who came back the next year, Ron Vargo, he came back and he was kind of the big deal because he was a returning starter and, so I, I won the, the right guard spot or the, the strong guard spot and, you know, had a high ankle sprain in preseason, which is the worst thing in your senior year. Mm. So I kind of toughed through my senior year, but then I look back and I was like, I toughed through it with a lot of injuries, but then I still had the pancake block record. I still did this. And the hammer is the hit of the game. Yeah. Every win we had, I had the hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, so, you were laying. Oh, no, I, no, 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 no. I don't, no. Nah. <laughs> you were balling yeah, even on no, a sprained ankle. Well, I don't let, I don't, you won't hear me say I'm good a lot. Right. But I brought hats, though. <laughs> I brought, I brought, I brought hats. Now, nobody's going to tell me I was pussy, that's for sure. Right, I'm right. I'm not have that one. Yeah. I'm not having that, nah. And, and so, so did that. You pay, you playing hurt through mm-hmm. injury. Mm-hmm. Did that hinder you? Did that, I mean, obviously you were injured, but yeah. what what did you do to get through that? Like, what kind of adversity? That's just what you got to do. I mean, my my last year in junior college, yeah. I played with I bro- I broke my foot in preseason. Wow! So I played every game on a broken foot. I didn't miss one practice. I didn't miss one drill. I didn't complain one time. 
Wow. And at the end of the year, my coach didn't even tell the scouts that I had a broken foot. Wow. Yeah, good. No, no, you're supposed to. No, oh, at yeah. the end of the year, if I play with a broken foot, you better tell somebody my foot's oh, broken. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. That's a big deal. Wow, yeah. So, okay. yeah, you did your thing. Absolutely. And broken foot, yeah. Like, yep. even you can see me laboring, but if you don't say nothing, then, you know. Yeah. But I made it through. Uh, I really got to Indiana by luck because somebody flunked out. Mm. And I was the only guy kind of sitting there. They're like, yeah, come on. Come on over. So it was kind of luck. And, uh, it, it all ended up working out. Needs. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Give me a chance. Give me a chance. So uh, your senior year, you get, you go through it. You're, you're, oh, no worries. My, my it's bad. All good. My yeah, bad. part of the set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you go, you go, you're going through it a little bit. Yeah. You're making those things happen. You, you finish out the year. Mm -hmm. You get, uh, you get a, a chance to go complete your dream, right? Correct. Yes. How's that feeling? Now, obviously, you're getting told you're too small, but you've been told that your whole life. Correct. Yes. It's it's that time. Yeah, it was a funny, funny process. Uh, I got through the, the year, had a successful year, even though I was hurt. At the end of the year, they elected captains, and I was elected a captain. Congrats. You know, I mean, there was 110 players on the team. Yeah. And we had two captains. Anthony Thompson was one of them, and he was... Ended up second in the Heisman Trophy ballot. He was he had 1,800 yards rushing. Wow. And I, I was the other captain, and I think that's a beautiful thing because I was only there for one year. Yeah, You know what absolutely. I mean? So and you could ask people. You could say, like, what kind of a leader was Ian? I never said a word, mm -hmm. ever. Like, I never stood in front of the team and said anything. Mm -hmm. I just went out and I played. You showed by example. That's it. Okay, so, example. you know, so I went through the year. At the end of the year, I got some accolades. I got all Big Ten, AP, and UPI, I think it was. Mm -hmm. I got a couple All-American things. Wow. Uh, and then I got invited to the Combine, and then went to the Combine, showed that I deserved to be there amongst, you know, my peers. Uh, then the draft came, and I, it was the fifth-round pick with the Buccaneers, and the rest is history. And then you and then you showed out. Yeah. When you, did you get a ring? Oh, shit, No. You didn't get a ring? <laughs> no. Dude, I played nine years and didn't play a playoff game. Wow. Didn't play a play I played seven years here, two years in Philadelphia, and never played in the playoff game. Damn. Yeah. And that was nine years, the whole... The nine whole, years, the, yep. the career? Went to 11 training camps. Went to two training camps after that, but not nine years I got it. Wow. At, how did... How did... Um, how Obviously, man, you, you touched a lot of lives. You played, you played a position that doesn't really get a lot of love. That's facts. That's facts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How did... How did you go to work every day, dog? <laughs> like it's almost like the garbage man, right? Yeah, you need him, right? Yeah, but he doesn't. It's not a glamorous job. Understandable. Um, it's not a glamorous job, but I think it's being. I think people now realize how tough it is. Okay, guys, I don't think anybody ever really sits and thinks about it. Mm -hmm. But the offensive line is a, a passive position. Okay, as I say, you're throwing the ball. The guy across from you sees where the guy is behind you. You can't see him. The guy across from you is faster than you, he's taller than you, he's longer than you. A lot of times he's meaner than you, okay? <laughs> and you got to stop him from getting to the guy behind you, which you can't look, can't see. Right. Okay, so think about it that way. Uh, I, you can look at a cornerback, how hard it is to cover somebody. That looks impossible to me. Right. You know, if I put Warren Sapp across from you, and I was supposed to hang out with Warren today, actually, you're not going to stop him, okay? <laughs> you're just, you're just, and now I look back at what I did. Yeah. And it looks impossible. Every day. It's, it's weird. Like, I look at it now, and I go, first of all, I say, it looks crazy. <laughs> it looks stupid. Like, who who would do that? Right. And then, like, blocking Aaron Donald looks impossible now. Blocking Chris Jones looks impossible. But I block guys the same caliber as them. Yeah. So, I think it's because I'm getting old. Because back back when, I just didn't know any better. Yeah, you just doing. And someday, some if one day somebody goes, "Hey, Ian, this is really hard. What you're doing, you better take a look at it." I might have just shit myself. I don't know, but I just I never thought about it. It's yeah. like one year I was watching football when I was at Indiana, and I'm watching the Minnesota Vikings playing somebody, and Keith Millard was a defensive tackle. He had mm. 20 and a half sacks that year. Yeah, and I remember looking, going, "Man, how do, how the hell does anybody block yeah. that guy?" And this was like you know in November or whatever. Yeah. So then. Let's fast forward to the next September. I'm sitting in, that's not that long. Right, yeah, November to okay. September. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm sitting in a meeting and Ray Perkins is going, we're going to come out in left formation. That means most of the game, 
Gruber's going to be against Dolman, and Beckles is going to be against Millard. And I was sitting there going, what the F just happened? <laughs> like, what, is ha- what, is, what happened? They just set yeah, me up. I was like, what? I don't think I liked what you just said. Right. And then, but it all, it, all, it all worked out. And like I said, I didn't really sit and think about how hard it was because I think if you do, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. You have this... You got to have this confidence and this belief that you can get it done no matter what, right? Period. Even when it looks like it's, like, impossible. Well, that's the best. I've always liked challenges. You know what I mean? I like a challenge. Yeah. And I like to say I did. I like to say, I like people say, I can't. I said, yeah, I did. Yeah. That makes me That makes me feel <laughs> good. It, it really it really does. So you end up retiring, right? Well, okay. I don't think anybody retires. So the, what, the they game, tell you to sit the, down? Or? No, the game just passes you by. Mm. The, the game will tell you when it's time for you to go. Mm. Straight up, I'm just telling. I you. love that, bro. No, it's, 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 it's real. It's real. The you level know. that you were yeah. at, it's important to yeah. hear these things, especially for the kids seeing this. Yeah, yeah. The game kind of like moves. Well, it's once again. I love to play today. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's silly. I know. I had some people say to me just last week, "You think you could go out there?" And, and I go, "Do what?" They go, "You think you could still play?" And I go, not only can I not play, I'm not sure I could last a play. Exactly. Like, I, like, get, like you're going to get hurt. Right. Like, that, like, okay, you think you could just get off the couch and block Vita Vea? Yeah. You, you've never <laughs> seen him then. Because, I mean, he's 6'2", yeah. 370. Yeah. He moves like a cat. Yeah. What are you going to do to stop him? Right. Like, I have surgically repaired ankles, feet, knees. Right. I got old hips. I got old shoulders. I got old fingers, wrists. I could keep going. My neck better not hit him. Right. So, <laughs> it's just not, it's not going to happen. So, it, it, the reality of it is you got to be young and strong, okay? What happens with football Unlike other things, if you're a CPA or you're a lawyer, right. if you're a 22-year-old lawyer, you're going to be so much better when you're 35, period, mm-hmm. because of the experience. Right. You can't say that about football. Because at 35, you're probably not going to be better than you are at 22. You're more wise. Right, you're smarter. But you're, but, but you're sp- if Tom Brady, if you took Tom Brady's brain today and you made him 25, Everybody is effed. Everybody, I'm serious. That's straight fun. Everybody is effed because it would be too much. If I was out there right now and you give me a young body with the knowledge that I have of football, I would kill everybody. Yeah. Because it's it's a knowledge thing. And once you get it, you're too old. You're too old. You get too old. And then you're like, damn, I know it now. Yeah. But you can't do it anymore because it's physically taxing. How was that transition? Uh, I'm still transitioning. I mean, once again, it's over. Like, I, some people don't deal with it well. I just don't do not deal with it well, if that makes any sense. I just, I've never let anything trip me out. For sure. Nothing. Like, I've had tragedies happen in my life, and I just deal with it. And m- maybe one day I'm going to break down in, <laughs> in, a, in a puddle of, cr- of tears. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I just, and... I'm the kind of guy, I, I, I'm the old wise cat that people come for advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times I'm just going to say, oh, okay, you're in a cocoon. What is giving you? Mm. What is it giving you? What are you getting from it? Or I'm depressed, I can't get up. All right, but then what? So what? You think anybody else cares? Mm. You know, if you're depressed, get up, drink some water, go work out, go for a walk. Go to the beach. We live in Florida. Go to the beach and sit there and look at the ocean. Exactly. I've never seen anybody looking at the water depressed. Right. I've never seen anybody working or walking depressed. So nobody wants to hear you depressed. I'm not saying there's no depression. Right. But if you ain't fighting, you ain't trying. Big facts. And if you're letting that shit bother you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're letting it affect you That's every it. day and then affect other people around you. Yeah. Because that shit spreads. Well, like, I, my thing is, listen, like, this is my mentality, okay? If you bitch and moan, it exists. Your brain listens to everything you say. So if you say, I'm out of shape, then you're out of shape. Because yep. your brain's listening to you, okay? I don't say that, okay? Sometimes I joke that I'm old, but I, I am joking, okay? Because I still think I can whoop a 32-year-old, okay? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am still I am, I am still, still joking. still got it in there. <laughs> but I try to keep everything positive, and I try to keep everything real as well. Right. Because when you come to me, if you came to me and say, yo, yo, you know, I got a question for you. I'm not going to consider your feelings. 
that's not where I am in my life. Mm. And I really don't think I've ever been that guy. Mm. If you don't want to hear reality, don't come to me. Right. I'm that guy. Like, I, like I own a call the bar, and I've had people that I don't know come to me for advice. And later on, I heard that I crushed their dreams. <laughs> not literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had somebody in the back of my call bar. She was living in the back of the call bar. Mm. Outside. She was living there. Wow. Because I allowed her to. She had nowhere else to go. Right. Gave her some money. I said, here, you can hang out here, blah, blah, blah. And one day she said, I need some advice. And I go, What's, what do you need? I need, well, what, what do you think I should do? She goes, I go, what do you mean? I go, what do you, how are you making money? She goes, well, I, I think I want to become an influencer. And I go, well, you live in the back of a kava bar. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, but I'm going to become an influencer. I go, who are you going to influence? And she didn't have any answers for me. And I said, I'll be, in all due respect, I think you should get a job, make some money, and then do an influencer stuff on the side. And then make that your hustle and get good at it. Yeah. And then you know, make it into something. If somebody says to me, I don't have a job, I'm a podcaster, I'll give you the middle finger and say, no, you're not. <laughs> okay, no, you're not. If you told me you're a podcaster, I'd yeah. say, no, you're not. Yeah. You think you're making a living by podcasting? Yeah. That ain't happening. Right. So that hurt her feelings. Went to my other business partner, says, I'm not coming back. He crushed my dreams. And then the next day she was Baker acting Damn. The next day she was Baker acted. Damn. Yeah, she, maybe that helped her though. I hope she's doing better now. <laughs> I haven't seen her since. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen No, I didn't I didn't make her crazy. No, she was already she crazy. She was crazy. I'm like, yo, she's crazy. Who you gonna influence? Crazy folks? Yo, the crazy yeah. part about it is that so the influencers are like the celebrities of our our, our time, right? That's that's hundred percent. They I read this book by Urban Meyer. And it's called uh, leadership, right? It was it's called above the line lessons in leadership. And uh -huh. he said influence. Tim Grover taught this. Influence leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Okay. How can you be an influencer? How could you influence people? What What are you going to tell them? That's a good question. And I feel like yeah. that's the question you asked. Or like, yo, how yeah. are you going to how are you going to lead people? Like, what are you leading them with? You're sitting, but you're living behind a kava bar. You don't where, even have, where are you leading them to? Yeah, so are you looking for other people living behind a kava bar? <laughs> because that's that's a small sample, you know what right. I mean? And, and anybody out there, I make joke with podcasts. Right. I also say this, everybody should have a podcast. If you have a business, everybody should have a podcast Amen. because it is marketing. If you own a flower shop, you should have a freaking flower podcast <laughs> yeah. and let people know you know what the hell you're talking about. Legit, because legit. Pod podcasts don't cost anything. You may not make money directly off the podcast, right? but you can make money around the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do. Right? I, my Youngest City Yacht Club opens so many doors for Raleigh yeah, man. and myself, man. Absolutely. So it's, it all comes hand in hand, man. It all comes hand. You're an influencer, man. I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't love the title because I don't like titles. Right, okay? right, right. And that's real. I mean, I don't want nobody to call me Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, because I'm a little of everything. Right. Like, like I, I've i never been a Democrat or Republican. I'm Canadian. I don't give a shit. They both, <laughs> both sides suck I'm Canadian. a dick. Both sides, okay? Because we only react to the extremists, okay? Yeah, yeah. So we only react to the extreme Democrats and the extreme Republicans and the extreme Muslims and the extreme Christians and the rest of the 90% of the world is in the middle. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I try to stay away from titles. Influencer to me is a title, mm, okay? Yeah. It's almost like leader. It if is, you yeah. If you call, I used to hate to hear Joe McCoy say, I'm a leader. Suck a dick. <laughs> Nobody, you've never heard... Warren Sapp say it, you never heard Derek Brooks say it, you never yeah. heard John Lynch say it, you never heard Rodney Barber say it, they just were. You never heard Tony Dungy say it. If you're telling me you're, lead, you're my leader, leader of what? What are you leading me? Mm. First of all, then they weren't even good anyways, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So influencer to me is a title, and I hear people saying I'm an influencer, I'm thinking, you're an influencer? If you're an influencer, I don't want to be in that group. I don't want to be influenced you know, by you. Here's another one, <laughs> foodie. I'm not a foodie. I'm just, I just know more about food than you. I'm not a foodie because people, I'm a foodie. I went to Karamas yesterday. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Look, I, I love meat. I love cooking it. I love preparing it. I love everything about it. Right. I've been to all the restaurants. And I mean, if Karamas is your type, then Karamas is good. Right. But if that's your go-to, then yeah. you ain't a foodie. You ain't it. <laughs> no, you ain't. I mean, not, not to the level I'm talking about. Man, yo, you know, I feel like we can have down-to-earth conversations, mm. man. I feel like that also is probably, and I'm leading into the next segment, yeah. but 
That's probably due to your your experience in radio. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, I mean, I just it's it's Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday, I did the Mike Calter show for four hours. Congrats, okay. man. I mean, like, Mike Mike Calter is the man. Yeah, yeah, and you were covering? You, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, so Mike Calter took the week off, and wow. last week, Carmen, his assistant, said, Ian, do you, would you like to, you know, sub in for one of these days or both? And I said, I'll take both. That's fine. So, I mean, they, they have a whole station of people to call, that pick from. They choose me. I've been on radio for 20-something years, so yeah. this mic's been in, in my face for a long time. So you know what time it is. Everybody that does a show with me. Yeah. Everybody, I know they go, man. We have a good flow, and yeah. I go, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, because yeah. I've been flowing with everybody since you know, since you have you haven't thought about radio. I mean, if you talk about radio, I, I did radio with Ron Diaz for twenty years. As far as the dawn of radio in Tampa Bay, mm -hmm. it's Ron Diaz. Yeah, period. He's the dawn. Okay, mm. he started Larry the Cable Guy all back in the day when they were in they were Tampa base in the 80s, and they would have, you know, shows in Miami at the beach, and there'd be thousands of people there at 5 o'clock in the morning. It was crazy wow. back then. Like, there was kind of like the first Howard Stern back in the day. Wow. So I worked with Ron for 20 years. I worked with Mike Calta, who is an offshoot of Ron. Right. Okay, and he's the Don now. Comes from the same... Yeah, it's the same yeah. cloth, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of it, when I pass and they do the radio lore, man, spell my name right. Yay, Vic Facts. Spell my name right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Ian Beckles, make sure you get it right, man. Yeah, right. So, the first day, though, you were on radio. Yeah. Like, how did you even get there? Good, good question. Uh, I was at Extreme Gym, and uh, there was a girl who worked uh, for the Buccaneers, Jane Portnoy, and we're on the Stairmaster, and she looked at me, and she goes, you ever, you ever listen to sports radio? And I go, no, what's that? And she goes, they sit around, they talk about sports, and I go, nah. And she goes, I think you'd be good at it. And I go, I just don't know what it is. She goes, put on, and I don't remember what the station was at the time. And she goes, listen to it. So I listen to it. I go, oh, this is terrible. I go, these guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so then I hear that they have an audition for, for an opening at the station. So I put my name in the hat, and I think it was me and 12 other people. So I got it. I didn't know what to expect. They were asking me questions about football. I was answering questions. I'm, I've always been somewhat eloquent. So I got up there, got the job, and I did like a pregame thing with Sandy Penner at first. So we just Sundays for two hours. So that's how I kind of got got my feet wet. Yeah. So then I, my name was getting out there a little bit more, and people were liking what I was saying. And Chris Thomas and those guys were saying, hey, you got to listen to Ian. Ian is good. And having me on his show. And then Chris Thomas, when he was out, I would kind of sit in for Chris Thomas. Mm. So people were liking the flow, and they are like, you get you got to get more and more. And here's the unfortunate part. Chris Thomas, who also was, you know, a big, big name in this area, was stricken with cancer, okay, at the time. So while he was sick, I was sitting in for Chris. Oh, wow. So I just kind of sat there for him while he was sick. I wasn't allowed to tell everybody how sick he was. I mean, I was going back and forth and meeting him at the at the uh, hospital yeah. while, while he was dying, okay? Damn. So he literally passed the baton to me. Legit. Like I, he legitimately, he goes, man, it's your time now. And, like, and I realized that he was going, you know what wow. I mean? So he passes, the radio station comes to me, and they go, we want you to get the slot. We're going to put Ron Diaz with you. And I, I really didn't know much about Ron Diaz, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. And I didn't realize who he really was until... Maybe a year in, when I realized that everybody's treating this guy like he's a freaking god, and he just got here. But I didn't realize that, like, how deep his radio yeah prowess is unbelievable. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, he's known in different states and different countries with right. radio. So, you know, I got, I was comfortable with radio. I don't think anybody's a natural at anything, mm. but I've t was told I'm comfortable. I'm now I'm to the point where I'm not sure I'm not better in radio than I was in football. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. I, I, and, and so, and you speak about the people that you were with yeah. in radio, like you speak about them in football. Like it's, it's all family thing. It's all a team thing. Yeah, like I learned from the best. Okay, Legit. So, like <laughs> literally, like I learn literally learn. Like when somebody brings up, say somebody talked about the stretch play. Can you talk about the stretch play? I'll say, what can you tell me about the stretch play? Even people who think they know football. Right. Because I've had people say this to me. I know as much football as you. And I go, do you? They go, yes, sir. Give me a give me a give me a question. And I go, okay. If we want to stretch play, you got a three technique, where's your head placement? He goes, What? And I go, <laughs> Exactly. I, I I just sat there in a room listening to the best to ever do it 
teach something. I was in a room with Alex Gibbs with the Denver Broncos watching him teach the stretch play. I mean, he's the, the dawn of it. I listened to Bill Parcells in a room talking defense. I listened to John Gruden talking offense. Mm. I listened from the ones, the, the best minds of ever. I had a radio show with Ron Diaz. I did radio with Mike Calta. So I wasn't learning from schleps. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, so, right, you know, right. I, when you learn from the best, you get good habits. And, yeah. you know, usually it turns out well. And and so your experience, because now I see it all the time. I mean, unfortunately, ESPN has laid off a lot of them. But it's, they, it's horrible, too. I feel like I feel like the, the analyst who just... Analyze. Yeah. I feel like when they brought in real players to talk about it, yeah. it became a lot more entertaining. Do you feel like that's the, that's what you bring too? Is like not just not just talking and, yeah. and coaching from the sidelines, but actually two feet in the trenches. I think there's definitely a bonus to it. Yeah. I don't think it's essential though. Like I think like when I listen, Jim Rome has been in radio for a long time, yep, sports yep, radio. Yep. I don't particularly love his show, but I think you have to show him love for what he's done. And what he's endured, and he just doesn't do it the same show as me. Right. He doesn't really talk about the ins and X's and O's. He really talks about, you know, g- generalities. Okay. The broad, the broad sense. Broad stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? It's entertainment. I get it. Yep. Some people want to hear that. Some people want to hear the ins and outs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Football is different than any other sport. I just had this discussion with a. a, a a guy that works for the Vinick uh, Group, and I'm sitting there in the in Amelie Arena doing the the, the Brooks and Beckles podcast mm. with with hockey people, and I said, "Listen, I've been doing sports radio for a long time. People don't want to hear about the minutia of hockey. <laughs> they, don't. they don't. They don't. They don't. And listen, I'm from Montreal, Canada. Mm-hmm. Go listen to sports radio there." They're into the minutia, and I'm talking about when there's when the hockey draft is on, when the NHL draft is on, and you're in the United States, nobody brings it up. If you go to Canada, they're going to tell you the draft is this week. That week, they're going to talk about the draft, just like we talk about the NFL draft. Right. So you see how further along it is. Right. So every sport is different, and you just got to know you got to know the pulse of the Tampa Bay area. I think I know the pulse of the Tampa Bay area sports wise mm-hmm. as as much as anybody else yeah, because I sure. mean I played here in in 1990 and I'm really still involved with sports in 2023 so yeah. it's a long ass time. Man, you you also involved in a lot of like you said you're involved in a lot of businesses, you're sure. involved you you were involved in radio. Yep. Now you have the podcast. Um you know, you you're doing a lot of things, man. In Younger City Yacht Club, we try to ask if you could give one person listening a gem, mm-hmm. one gem, what would that be? Don't be scared to, to fail. Because mm. I I used to be that guy that was scared to fail. Like, I, as a as a big guy, I used to always kind of sit back and not try to be in the forefront. And I was kind of quiet, you know? And then, and even when I was in the league, I was quiet. Mm. And as I got older... I was like, well, I'm not gonna let nobody step on me no more, and I got a little bit more boisterous. A little bit has to do with what you've done in your lifetime and what you've achieved. You know what I mean? You know, some people might think I'm cocky, okay, but I don't know anybody successful that's not cocky or confident. Let, well, they're the same word. To yeah, me. Legit, legit. The same, a, hey, I get it all the time. The same effort to me. <laughs> yeah. Cocky and confidence the same way. Yeah. I, I think I walk into a room confident. Yeah. Or cocky. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, to me, as long as you're not an asshole, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I, I roll with some confident cats. I, I do the Derek Brooks uh, podcast, and I re- when I when I kind of needle Derek about his upbringing, I realize that he was way more advanced than me. Mm. Like, I may maybe sound more advanced than you when you brought, I don't know, maybe not. But when I listen to Derek speak, like Derek was talking about reading leadership books in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was like, I was straight A students and I was the first one in the class. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was the first one in the weight room. Right, right. I wasn't the first one in the class. Right. So everybody's different. And this is what I've learned. And I like to listen to older established people because they've done it. They've been there. When I was in the league, Anthony Munoz was a tackle and all all uh, all American, and he has a, he has a jacket. He's in the Hall of Fame. He got hurt one year with us, but he we, I was supposed to play next to him. I couldn't pick his brain enough, okay? Because I know he'd been there, done that. I'm kind of turning to that old guy where people are trying to pick my brain, mm-hmm. but 
don't be scared to fail, okay? Mm. I did Dancing with the Stars, the local one, okay? Uh, yeah. Julie Weintraub, I did the first one. The first one ever. I don't know how many years ago. Maybe 20 years, maybe. Julie Weintraub says, I want you to be in the first Dancing with the Stars. I looked like, oh, hell no. No way. No way. <laughs> then, I, then I tried to sleep that night, and I could not sleep because I was calling myself a pussy. I go, wait, wait, what? Because I've always, I've never been scared of a challenge, okay? Right. And I think doing that Dancing with the Stars, knowing that I was terrified to do it, changed me as a human being. Yeah, sure. From that point on, I'm just not scared to fail. And if you if you don't fail, you ain't trying. Ain't, and you ain't doing That's shit. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> like, like, to me, like, I had a magazine for two years. Somebody go, it failed. No, of course it didn't fail. I had a magazine for two years, and I can tell people I had a magazine for two years, and now my eye for fashion, my eye for art, my eye for different things has changed. Mm. It's developed me differently as a person. Uh, I've had three clothing lines. Have they failed? N nope, because I learned to every for everyone. Yeah, everybody thinks that these guys came out of nowhere. Bullshit. They, it, when you see them, is the first time you see them. Mm. They've been hustling forever. Mm. Nobody just popped. Well, I'm not gonna say nobody because it does happen with social media these days. Yeah, sometimes you get the little flash in the pants, yeah, but it's not very often. <laughs> like we know all the situation. Everybody else has to grind, right, and go through a process, right. And just know that nothing is given to you. And I think this generation is wants that instant gratification. Yeah, man, you gotta. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not gonna make it. If you're not comfortable being uncomfortable, mm. I've been uncomfortable my whole life. Whether that is overworking, overtraining, over everything. I've always been uncomfortable. If I'm not uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. So, yeah, that, yeah, so like, uncomfortable would be an uncomfortable. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> if I'm comfortable, something's wrong or I'm dying or something. Right, right. It, 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 I get like depressed mm -hmm. in that kind of like because I'm like, yo, why am I twiddling my thumbs? Yeah, why, like, why am I not doing something? I should be doing. So I find like I'm always doing something. I'm a very uh, yeah, bro. I asked you what you were yeah. doing today. Well, I'm a well. <laughs> what you been up to? You're like, I'm well, doing like, so much. I've, I've always I'm always doing like say yeah, yesterday I got up. I did the Mike Calter show, which is a six o'clock show. Mm. So I got I got up at four thirty. Mm. Did the Mike Calter show till ten o'clock. Mm. Then I then I did another podcast, my podcast. Then I did the Brooks and Beckles podcast. Mm. Then I come back. Then I'm doing work at the Kava Bar. I'm doing so. I'm always moving, even when I'm sitting there not doing something. Yeah, I find I'm doing something. That's efficient. That's fire. It could be rolling joints. Yeah, I gotta be doing something. Just in case, like I, there's gonna be a time where I would need that joint roll. Exactly. So let's get it done now, yeah. so I don't have to stop myself later on. But I'm efficient with my time, though. Bro, I I appreciate you for being on the show. The last part, because you talked about uh, getting adventuring into the cannabis space. Oh, I'm not adventuring. Yeah, you in it? Uh, you in it? I'm in it to win it. Yeah. Yo, yeah. So what is that like now? Like. That, what what got you in that? I know you said you had some issues with like alcohol, and yeah. then you got in the kratom. And yeah. so, how did you get into the weed space? Well, I don't. I was now that I look back at alcohol. Alcohol was my thing, but right. I don't know if I had a problem with alcohol. Okay, because yeah. I think I I was I was always like one year I just said well, I'm just not going to drink all season. So I went a whole season without drinking. Nobody does that, okay? Right. I would say, I'm going to stop drinking for two months. and just stop, you know what I mean? Right. So I've always been that guy. Right. But cannabis, I didn't smoke till I was 35 years old. Okay. All right, that's which is later than anybody that I know. Legit. That who's a little legitimate smoker. Yeah. So all my boys like, you should smoke. I'm like, nope, because I see the drug tests and I see you guys tripping out and you guys are all stressed out because <laughs> drug tests is coming and what you're doing yourself to, to relax is is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So I'm not doing it. So when I'm done, when I was done out of the league, my boy was like, here, let's do it. So finally I did it. The first time, I don't think I'll ever be that high again, <laughs> but it just became part of my life to where I've never been a pill guy. Thank God, yeah, okay, thank because I, I, I have some of my boys who were pill guys who are not on this earth anymore, okay? Yeah. So pills are not good. Even aspirin, all that shit. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I've taken, and I played football from the age 7 to into my 30s. I don't know if I've taken 10 Advil in my whole life, okay? I don't take aspirin. 
I rarely take a pill unless I have a surgery. Mm-hmm. I just don't take pills. Yeah. I take sea moss. I take shilajit. I take herbs. You know what I mean? And c- cannabis is an herb. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. Uh, I don't drink alcohol anymore. Kava and kratom, which is also from the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do cannabis butter, cannabis oil. But at no time am I out of sorts. Mm. At no time uh, when you say, Ian, what's going on? And you say, well, you're inebriated. Like, I just don't do that anymore. Mm. I'm calm all the time. Yeah, you relax. I'm calm. <laughs> I, I hit the J on the way over here. I'm surprised you don't <laughs> smell it. <laughs> it's like on yeah, cologne, bro. I was like, I hope you don't smell it. I'm like, I don't give a shit no yeah, more. We good. Yeah, yeah, we good. I smell that. I smoked that good, good, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's become part of my life. It's part of my building, the Dignitary Tea and Kava House. Mm. We have an indoor and outdoor consumption lounge. I don't know anybody else has one. That's fine. If you have your medical marijuana card, show it. You can smoke inside and outside. Wow. We have We have a cannabis doctor in our building, cannabis doc. So if you don't have your card, you get your card in our building. <laughs> we got a podcast room. We got a smoke shop. So fire. it's evolved into a lot of things, and it's uh, one-stop shopping. Bro, and, and so... And and what are you coming out with your own line? Are you coming out with your own strands? Are you coming out with your own? Eventually, I said I'm not stopping until I have my own strain. Eventually, mm. uh, I we we could kind of say I kind of do. Okay, we already have you know the marketing and you know the branding done and everything like right. that. To have your own legal strain right now is almost impossible in Florida. Yeah, okay? man. It, but. Uh, and down the way, it's not going to be too long before you see Dignitary out there as a strain. That's like, fine. Remember, that's me when you're, when you're smoking that Dignitary. <laughs> that Dignitary. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Let everybody know where they can reach you, bro. I, yeah. uh, like, where they can, where they can, you know, obviously, um, you're, first off, man, yeah. you're super dope, man. This is the appreciate second you. time you've been on here, and I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, we got a more efficient way and and of recording and stuff like that, but you're, yeah, you're easily... Um, I'm not, I, I would like to say you're not easily accessible, but you are a cool person. I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, am, e- I am easily accessible. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't want to. I just go to Dignitary <laughs> Tea and Kava House. I'm over there right now. I'm all, I'm always over there. <laughs> hey, yeah. where can they find you though? Well, once again, Dignitary Tea and Kava House is right on the corner of uh, West Shore and Gandhi, 4817 South West Shore. You go to social media, I'm pretty active there. You ain't going to see nothing political. It would mm. be food and stuff that I'm doing. Ian underscore Beckles. And then, uh, like on the radio, I have a football show on The Bone on Saturday at noon. And I'm always popping it on the uh, Mike Coucher show, and I'm on The Bone quite often. And uh, I just try to stay relevant. So, uh, Man, you're doing a great job of it, bro. Pull me up. Pull me up. Bro, bro I ain't going to lie, man. Like, you said something earlier today to us, and, and I think it... it it just getting the conversation with you, mm-hmm. um, being able to learn from your experiences yeah, and being able to see those things, knowing don't be afraid to fail. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Like you've done a lot in your in your career in mm-hmm. your life, and I think that kind of like certifies you yeah. because you've done it. But I also think the fact that you're willing to give out game like that, bro, I appreciate that. Well, it's, well, it's my pleasure, and especially from young hustlers like yourself, because uh, I'm gonna say this: you you, you hear my name, but I hear this young man's name all the time. <laughs> You know, Vincent Serrano, I go, yeah, that's my guy, man. That's my dude. I hear your name all the time. Thank you, bro. But I hear other people's names in a bad light, but it's always in a good light. So stay true to yourself, brother. That's important. Thank you, my brother. Got to keep the face gator, bro. Let's rock. Let's rock. (laughs) Thanks for coming on, bro. My my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, man. I'm going to get a drink from you.